Welcome to Hub City Vineyard. To get connected or to give online, you can go to connect.hcv.church or give.hcv.church. If at any time during this message you feel called to make a change in your life, text Change Me to 97000. Thank you and enjoy the message. So this morning you picked the right gathering. You know why? Because the heat is working, okay? During our first gathering, there was no heat. So it happened to be 52 degrees when I walked in here. I am not, uh, you know, up on making heat work. So we just kind of went with it. But thank you, John Muller, for fixing our heat so that our second service people can be warm and snuggly. All right? Thank you, John. So welcome to HCV. If it's your first time here, we are thankful that you're here. Thank you for being our guest. If you're joining us from home, thank you for welcoming us into your space. Just a couple additional announcements. If you got baptized, we have your baptism certificates at the Welcome Hub. Please stop by and grab them on your way out. Last week was our group du jour. Some of you went, but our group leaders all did soups as a means to feed you as an appetizer for your lunch. And we have two winners. Our first place winner, our grand champion was Lance. Okay, so can we give Lance? There he is. Let me just preface by saying that Lance is one of our youth leaders, and he may or may not have had the middle school vote. Okay, so yes, he did win grand champion questionable, okay? Our People's Choice Award goes to my wife, Jessica, for her shrimp chowder, all right? Dairy-free, gluten-free, as healthy as you can be. I had two bowls last night. She made some for me for the Ravens game. It's delicious. If you want the recipe talk to her, you may or may not get it correctly because she doesn't follow one, okay? She just kind of makes it up, which is a wonderful thing. So Justin and I were watching a concert on Friday night on the TV, just chilling and relaxing, and at the beginning of the concert, a band used an audio clip from Charlie Chapman's final movie called The Final Speech from the Great Director. This was actually the only movie that Chapman ever made with audio. And in this movie, he says this. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, The kingdom of God is within man. Not one man, nor a group of men, but in everyone. In you, you, the people, have the power. The power to create machines. The power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Powerful words that I want you to reflect on, but before we move on, look at your neighbor and say, the kingdom of God is within you. See, we say that often here at HCV, but for so many people, they're not quite sure what that means, so that's the adventure we're going on this morning. Now, I want to take you back in a time machine to the 80s. When I was growing up, I always looked forward to Friday nights because that was the best night for TV shows. On Friday nights, we had Knight Rider and Dukes of Hazard. okay? <laughs> Woo, you know it, you know? So some of you are thinking, I don't know what a Knight Rider is, and I have no idea what a Duke of Hazard is, but 
Just do a Google search, you'll quickly learn. And the cool thing about watching Friday Night TV for me was it didn't matter when you turned it on. I could have turned it on 30 minutes late. I was immediately into the show, watching it, excited for all that was going to happen. Now, one problem that I quickly discovered about my Friday nights is that back then, I believed that if I turned the TV off because I had to go somewhere or my mom was taking me somewhere or something was just happening, that when I returned to the TV an hour or two later, it would be there. To which now we know it wasn't. So I was very disappointed over and over again. Fast forward to today, we now have on-demand TV. It's as if what I dreamed of as a young person actually now has become a reality and my kids are spoiled, right? My kids now have the ability to log into Disney+, Plus, watch any show, any movie, whenever they want, with a click of a button. And we all know that with on-demand TV, we can hit pause if we want to get a snack, if we want to go to the bathroom. And, you know, for me back in the 80s, that was a commercial break, right? Now you just pause it, move on, and do what you want. Truth is, on-demand content has transformed the way we receive content. We can watch anything we want, anytime we want. We're no longer relegated to broadcast schedules. Okay, how many of you are thankful for Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and, dare I say, Peacock? Now, some of you are upset with Peacock because just last weekend during the NFL's wildcard weekend, Peacock had the most streamed live event ever in the history of the United States. 23 million viewers set a record to watch the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Miami Dolphins. The point, on-demand TV, on-demand services is where we are now. And it has changed the way we watch TV, movies, or live sporting events. Heck, it's even changed the way I share with our community of faith. Every single Sunday... We have nearly 300 people watching our online content, right? Or the following week on YouTube, Instagram. And now, did I mention TikTok? Thank you, Lily, for going into the TikTok world. Because there are thousands of people that will watch this content, and we believe it will point them to Jesus, which is the point. Right? I can no longer be shallow and just talk to those of you gathered here. I now have to look into cameras and think about who is watching, not only now, but later, because it has to go broader because of the on-demand audience. On-demand, dare I say, is the premise for the book of Acts in the early church. See, Jesus, he's making this transition to show his disciples that they need His power on earth on demand, right? Before Jesus returned to heaven and then sent his Holy Spirit to fill his followers in Acts chapter 2, most of the miracles that we read about is relegated to Jesus' earthly body. Heck, there's a reason the disciples didn't want Jesus to leave after he spent 40 days with them in his resurrected body. Remember, Jesus was crucified, right? He died, he was buried, and then rose from the dead Three days later, and then in his resurrected body, spent time with his disciples. 
then Jesus says to them, no, it's better that I go away. In fact, it's good if I go away because when I go away, I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. I don't want miracles to be relegated just to me. No, Jesus wants his power working in you and through you. And when his power works in you and through you, then people can experience breakthroughs on demand. People can experience healing on demand. They can get restoration on demand. They can experience forgiveness on demand. See, Jesus said to his disciples, I am leaving you with a power that when you walk by someone that is hurting or broken, you don't have to go and find Jesus. You don't have to bring Jesus back. No, you waited on me in the upper room. Now you're filled with the spirit. Give it away. Now the disciples, they can lay their hands on the sick. Because why? Because Jesus no longer has to be present for the miraculous to happen. And his power can now work through you and me on demand to release his healing power on this earth. And this was what is happening in the text that God put on my heart for today as we continue our 21 days to freedom. Thus far in week one, we were challenged to get out of the crowd and to be a disciple and start following Jesus this year. Last year, we walked away from shame and guilt as we discussed the book of Leviticus. That was fun, right? Everyone nod. Did everyone learn a little bit about Leviticus? If you missed any of those two talks, you can go back to YouTube, of course, and listen in on demand. Today, we find Peter and John, they're in the middle of a huge paradigm shift where they are now understanding Jesus is not just doing stuff for us, He is now doing stuff through us, and we get to experience the kingdom of God, which leads us to our first thought. See, Peter and John discerned the crippled beggar needed healing. So here we go. We're going to jump in. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon. I love how it is. Remember, one day, one afternoon, anything can happen to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. So Peter and John stopped and perceived this man needed something. And not only did he need something, he needed a miracle. And quite often, God wants to perform a miracle through us, and we simply have to perceive or discern what he is doing. What does that mean for us? We have to stop being so busy that we can't stop and pause and ask God what he wants to do through us. Because if you think about your daily lives, we're going from one place to the next, we're on our errands, we're on our schedules, we got to keep up with them. We forget that, wait a minute, I have the power of God living inside of me. What if he wants to use me today? One person said that if the enemy can't get you to sin, he will just keep you busy. And we hear it all the time when we're talking with friends that we haven't seen for a while in church. Oh, sorry, Chris, I've been meaning to come back. I've just been busy since the holidays. Or when we're talking to individuals about joining a serve team, like today is Team Up. You can meet with Jess and learn about all of our teams here on Sunday mornings and become a part of those teams. But what do we constantly hear? Oh, I can't really serve right now. I'm just, I'm just 
busy. I have a lot of things happening in my life. Or if we talk about groups, our groups have started, our, our, our weekly growth groups. We challenge you to be in a group, find a group that fits you. Oh, Chris, I just don't have an extra night. I'm too busy. See, there's nothing like sin or busyness that will break our connection to God. And, and unfortunately, it's one or the other for the church. And it's the same thing when it comes to being used by God. We can become so busy scrolling on our social media pages that we miss out on the opportunities for God to use us as a conduit for his kingdom. What did Peter and John do? They stopped. They paused. And they discerned. But then I began to notice the timeline and geography of this miracle. So, so please keep in mind that when we are introduced to this lame man, we don't get his name. We, all we learn is that he was lame from birth, right? And then in Acts 4.22, we learn this. For this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Now think about that. 40 years is a long time. And, and some of you are thinking, okay, okay, Chris, why is this important? Well, it's important because this miracle didn't happen long after Jesus ascended back to heaven. So, so if this lame man had been by the temple for nearly 40 years, and every single day we read that he had been dropped at the temple gate, friends, it's highly plausible and almost inevitable that Jesus himself walked by this guy while he was begging at the temple gate. I mean, if Jesus walked by him and yet never healed him, doesn't it make you think, well, Why? Jesus, why didn't you heal this man? And, and the answer to that question is quite simple. We don't know. I don't know. It simply speaks to the reality that healing is a sovereign work of God. It's a sovereign work of God. And I can't explain why Jesus didn't choose to heal this man. But we read in the scriptures that another man that was lying by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years was healed. See, I don't know why God chose to heal that man at Bethesda and not this man at the gate called Beautiful. I don't know why today there are some people that receive their healing while on earth, but still others that don't get their healing until God takes them home and to be in heaven. We don't know. And what we point to is it's God's sovereign work. I do know, however, it's my responsibility to believe that God is a healer. And to know that his will is to heal. I do know it's my responsibility to lay hands on the sick and to pray bold prayers for them to be healed. That's on me. That's a choice that I need to make. But I don't know why Jesus didn't heal this lame man at the temple gate. I say that because someone here this morning is wrestling with a simple question that you may or may not get an answer to until you get to heaven. As to why some people are healed here on earth and others don't get healed until they enter the kingdom of God. Now, another thought that I had is maybe the reason this man didn't get his healing is because Jesus walked by him and said, oh, that healing is a job for John and Peter. That's their job. That's their responsibility. Peter and John are going to come later and I'm going to let them take care of this man. Because they don't even know that I'm about to die on the cross, get up from the grave, fill them with the Spirit, and then I'm expecting them to notice. 
this man sitting at the temple gate. So here you go, sir. I'll drop a few coins in your cup. But the healing you're expecting is going to come later. Could that be why? See, all of a sudden, Peter and John, they roll up on this man in need of healing. What do they do? They perceive, they discern, wait, 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 I'm supposed to do this. This is what I'm called to do. Peter and John then, remember, experienced the first miracle of the New Testament church, and they do it together, which leads us to our next thought. God used polar opposites to perform this miracle. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus. The Nazarene, get up and walk. See, Peter and John are nothing like one another. They're completely opposite. I mean, for example, just just two examples that jump off the page of scriptures. Peter is a cusser. John is a cuddler. Two completely different people. Right? When, when Peter is being challenged by a young girl and those gathered around the fire, remember, oh, you're a follower of Jesus. No, he began to cuss. He began to tell him, I'm not a follower. Peter swore, the scriptures say in Mark 14. I curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. Right? So he's, he gets up in him and says, no, I'm not. Get away from me. He's a cusser. John, who's John. He's the dude that always has his head on Jesus' chest. John 13, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved or esteemed was leaning against Jesus' chest. He was the disciple that Jesus loved, we learn. They were complete opposites. Who was Peter? He was the guy that speaks before he thinks. Right? Everyone nod. We all know someone like that. Right? They say something. Oh, my bad. I shouldn't have said that. Right? My bad. Now, John. John is pensive. He's careful with his words. So if you look at these two, they're complete opposites, yet what does God do? He brings them together to perform the first miracle in the New Testament church. Why? Because this is a picture of the church. This is how the church operates. Shallow people only look at the differences between us as points for division. Deeper people, deeper people understand, hey, you might, like, might not think like I do. You might not even vote like I do. But we can all agree to disagree. Let's connect on the fact that people need to experience God. And let's focus on that point. People need to be restored. Let's connect on the fact that the name of Jesus should be praised and preached with power. I mean, you know you're a shallower if you're only looking for the differences in other people as a point of division. But you know there's depth in your walk with God. When you look at each other and say, hey, I don't agree with you on that, but let's go worship and praise God together at HCV, right? Let's go and do it together. Deep people know how to work together with others, even when they disagree. I mean, think about 1 Corinthians 12. Let's read it together. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts. But only one body, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And you're saying, well, what's that have to do with the church? The point is, the body is described like our bodies. There's all these different operating systems. We are all working together. 
to make the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom of a God invade the tri-state area. So we should not be at all shocked that the first miracle of the New Testament church is between Peter and John. I mean, we all need a Peter because he is the one that will say what no one else will say. Right? He's just that guy. I mean, you may be sitting beside Peter right now. Don't look at him, okay? We all need a Peter, right? Because sometimes you need someone that just will come right out and look at someone and say, you're rude. I mean, what were you thinking? There's no one hating on you. You're just mean. Change. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we need a John. And what's a John say? A John says, hey, 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 brother. God's not done with you yet. Let's get back up and let's just keep moving forward. The point, the church needs both. And there's a chance that later some of you are going to be staring at me with evil eyes, not liking what I'm challenging you to do. So just nod and just say, Chris may or may not challenge you later because the church needs both. I believe that it was the compassion of John that noticed this man But it took the courage of Peter to say, you're not getting money from me today. I have something more for you, which leads us to our next thought. See, trauma triggers hopelessness. Trauma triggers hopelessness. Remember, this man, sitting by the temple gate, he's lame from birth. Which speaks to the trauma in his life that just happened. Right? He he didn't make bad mistakes. He, He didn't want to be physically unable to walk. It was just the cards that he was dealt. And we all have those, right? It's not your bad mistakes. It's not your bad choices. The things that just happened to us, right? The father that was not there for you. The the mother that never gave you any validation. The siblings that mistreated you. The abuse, the neglect, the divorce, the illness, right? All of us, I believe, gathered here or watching online, we could pass the mic around and share about the things from birth that we didn't pick, we didn't want, we didn't deserve. And, and, and if we think about those things, that could rack up a massive counseling bill. So, so, so we could talk about how this man was lame from birth. I mean, the Bible tells, Acts 3, 2, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate. Think about it. He couldn't even walk. He's being carried in so he could beg from the people going into the temple. So, so he was dealt those cards, but we also can talk about his behavior. Notice what is his behavior. He's what? Begging. The behavior of begging is a byproduct of being lame. In this culture, when a person doesn't have mobility in their legs, they can't just go out and get a job. There's no job for them. Peter and John looks at him intently. Peter says, look at us. See, there's even more. In between the trauma and the behavior, there's something much deeper that everyone avoids. It's the mentality. See, there's the psychology of hopelessness. In between the trauma of his legs and the behavior of his begging is the psychology of hopelessness. And and hear me out. If the enemy is after anything, he's after your hope. He wants us to reach a point in our lives where we wake up and say things like, this is not ever going to get better. This will never change. Because the day we lose our hope, 
we might as well lose our legs. In fact, I would rather have a person who is lame but has hope than a person that has full mobility of their body but has lost all their hope. How do I know that? Because there's people from the disabled community that that are competing in Olympic sports. There's disabled individuals that play basketball. There's disabled individuals that climb Mount Everest. Nothing can stop them because they have hope. But if a person loses hope, they've lost everything. See, in between the behavior of begging and the trauma of his legs is the psychology of hopelessness. And and I want to ask you a simple question today. Have you gone deeper and simply asked yourself, what is the mindset behind my behavior? Why do I do the things that I do? See, people don't have a problem talking about their trauma, right? This is a word that needs to be redefined, in my opinion, within our culture. Because there are people that experience trauma every day, while others, that because a person walked into a church and they didn't get smiled at, oh, that's trauma. That's not trauma. Sorry. That's just, you were not noticed. I'm sorry. Forgive us. But that's not trauma. But, but there's those of you gathered here this morning and watching online that have experienced trauma in your life. And I'm in no way trying to belittle it. I'm just trying to say we have to spend time on it and look at it so that we can understand it. Because in the church, we like talking about our traumas. And we spend a lot of time talking about behaviors. I mean, for, for many of you, if you grew up in church, when you were in youth group, all you ever heard was, stop it. Stop doing that. Stop talking out loud. Stop acting out. But when is someone going to say, well, wait a minute. Let's address the psychology and the mentality that is behind the behavior. What is the psychology of this man that is, that is begging by the temple gate? It's hopelessness. He's lost all of his hope. How do I know that? He stopped looking up. Right? Think about it. A lot of us miss this part of the text. The Bible says that Peter and John walked by him. He asked them for money. That's the behavior of begging. But then the Bible also says the first thing Peter and John say to this man is not get up and walk, be healed. The first thing they say is what? Look at us. So he asked them for money. And the first thing they say is look at us, which means he was begging for money looking down. Help, please. Help the poor. Help the disabled. All he had to look forward to was change hitting the bottom of his cup. He's lost all hope. And when a person has been stuck in a position for so long, how long for this man? Since birth. His physicality will show his psychology or his outlook. This man doesn't even look up anymore to see who's putting money in the cup. Thank you. Thank you. He just listens. And when change hits the bottom, thank you. He has nothing to look forward to. Proverbs 13, 12 tells us this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. See, this man had a sick heart. Till one day, Peter and John, they stop, and what do they do? They look at him. 
and that alone shows the power of a look. No wonder they said, look at us. What, dare I say, the first miracle in this encounter is that this man looked at them. That was the first miracle. After years of having his head down, he had a little bit of faith that he could look up and look them in the eyes. Friends, we're always going to move in the direction we're looking. So before dealing with your legs, let's start with your focus. Let's start with your outlook and lift your head towards God. Right? I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but God highlighted these verses to tell you it's time to look up. It's time to take your focus off your struggles, off your predicament, off your choices, off your negativity, off your why always me attitude, and look up for what God has for you. Start looking up again. Start believing, start hoping, start trusting. This man, he looked up. And, and, it, and it poses the question for all of us, what are you looking for? Because in our society, in our culture, whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it. And you're going to walk in it. For example, if you're looking for something that is wrong with your spouse, you're going to find it. You're always going to find it. If you're looking for a way out, for a way to divorce him or her, you're always going to find it. I mean, you can even blame it on how he or she puts the toilet paper on the roll. Well, I, don't, I like it being pulled down. They want to pull it up. Who cares? The point, if you're looking for a reason, you'll find it. And no wonder Peter and John worked this miracle because what were they doing? They were looking to give away what they had encountered in the upper room. They were looking to give away this godly power so that everyone right, could experience freedom. Everyone was just walking by this man. Help, please. Peter and John stopped and made eye contact. It's all about where we look and what we're looking for, which leads us to our next thought. See, sometimes miracles are preceded by disappointment. So notice Acts 3, 3 and 5 through 6. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Again, back to the beggar. He wanted some money. The lame man looked up at them eagerly, expecting some what? Money. Notice this man was expecting money. And we say all this. I don't know about you, but, but don't we say this all the time within our culture? If I just had a little extra money, if I just had a little more money, just a few more dollars, is that really what we need? Or do we need to learn to live on a budget? Do we really need a little bit more money? Do we, oh, God, I could just use a little more money, really? Or do we just need a little healing so that we're not so insecure that we spend money on things that we don't need to validate us in front of our friends and family so they believe that we're well off? See, this man was expecting money. Someone sees him, acknowledges him, he looks up, and what does he expect? He expects money. But Peter says this, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Imagine the disappointment. I mean, this man was thinking, yes, I'm gonna, this is a haul. I'm going to get a lot of money. He looks up. Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold. That's disappointment. 
Imagine the disappointment of hearing those words, not even knowing his disappointment was going to be preceded by the greatest miracle he will ever experience. See, sometimes our greatest miracle is preceded by our greatest disappointment. Sometimes it's after the bankruptcy that you receive the idea for a new business. Sometimes it's after you get fired that you actually become a manager instead of the employee. Sometimes it's after the person that breaks your heart that you actually get to meet the one that you were created to be with. My point, don't give up just because you got disappointed. And I think about this room that we're in. You know, the house of miracles that we've been in for this Easter will be four years. And I thought back this week about just being in this room. You know, it was about eight years ago or so that, that we began to pray over on Bower Avenue about a, a property, a building, because we were growing and we knew Dollar General was going to build this new building. We knew we were going to have any parking and we're already out of parking here. I'm sorry, but we're working on that. Um, so we began to pray about, okay, God, we need to find a building. We need to find a property. We need to do something here. And we visited property after property after property after property. For those of you who've been here for long ago and for those years ago, you know that we were looking here and there and everywhere. And it seems that everywhere we went, it was no. Constantly no. But we had a generous church. And being a generous church, we started a building fund. We started this building fund, started collecting money and adding to the building fund to the point that even though we were getting no, 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 this isn't it, this isn't it, this isn't it, the building fund grew to the point that when I got a random Facebook message, I needed to go and talk to the leaders of this church, Church of the Holy Trinity, and I met with them and we prayed over six months and, and they voted unanimously to sell us their property. We took all that money that we had received all those no's with and we put it in their hand and we bought it. My point, in this journey to be in this room, we experienced a lot of disappointments, but those disappointments grew us with faith that we were able to buy a property and now own a property and watch the kingdom of God grow. We have to keep walking by faith. We have to keep trusting. What if our greatest miracles are on the other side of our disappointments? But I'll give you what I have, Peter says. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. See, we can only give what we have. And what did Peter and John do? They used the name. They used the name that's above every other name, that's greater than any other name and has the power to heal and deliver. There is power, we sung about this morning, in the name of Jesus, which leads us to our final fall. See, Peter and John were connected to the kingdom power. See, there's power in our connection to that name. And dare I say, like, can we go a little deeper? See, the, the name, Jesus, only has power to the degree that we're connected to it. See, Peter and John, they weren't shallow followers. They were his disciples. They were his followers for three years. They left everything, job, family, friends. They were connected to the name, so they knew its power. We have to realize it's more than just saying the name of Jesus and then praying once every four months. It's more than just saying the name of Jesus and then choosing to read the Bible mm, 
once a month. We have to be connected. Right, I think about my air fryer. I love my air fryer. It's wonderful. It cooks things so I hear really well. It's powerful. In fact, it only takes eight minutes to cook my food. But it has to be what? Plugged in in order for it to work. Same goes for our relationship with God. Acts 3, 6 to 8, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ. The Nazarene, get up and walk. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why did he say Nazarene? I mean, that's a specific city, but, but why not Jesus Christ of Bethlehem? That's where he was born. Why not Jesus Christ of Capernaum? That's where a lot of his miracles were. Why in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene get up and walk? Well, maybe, just maybe it has something to do with the fact that the word Nazarene comes from the Greek word Nasser, which actually means branch or sprout. And the imagery actually is of a stump that had been cut down, a massive tree. It was cut all the way down to the stump. There was no hope. Nothing could be done with it. But if you return to it after six months, what do you see growing up out of the stump? A sprout. Every stump will try to grow again. See, maybe Peter was letting this man know that although he had been down for 40 years since his birth, there was hope. They thought Jesus was down and out when they hung him on a cross and buried him in a tomb. But we know and can celebrate that three days later, he rose from the grave. And I want to encourage you, don't let anyone ever tell you it's over. It's not over till God says it's over because the kingdom of God can be experienced on demand. And this is the year that God is challenging our community of faith to step out, to be bold. Because then we read, Peter took the lame man by the right hand, helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed in strength. And he jumped up, stood to his feet, and began to what? Walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And my question to you this morning is, who are you helping up? The kingdom of God causes us to be very uncomfortable. And God is challenging us, HCV, to get outside of our comfort zones and believe that God is going to use you, not just today in this gathering, but tomorrow while you go to work. Tomorrow while you go to Walmart. Tomorrow while you visit your family, which leads us to our action steps. Partnering with God. Five simple steps in partnering with God this morning. And the first is this. Church, we need to believe in the miraculous. Peter and John noticed they went to the temple one afternoon. What were they going for? They were going to pray. That's what they were going for. They were going to pray. But yet the man that they were about to encounter, he was born lame. He was lying beside the entranceway, right? The trauma produced a behavior of what? Begging. He was begging with his head down. He had no hope. And the one thing that we have control over is our hope. And I want to encourage you, change your outlook, Look forward. See people for who they are. Be on mission for God. How do we know that Peter and John were on mission? Because they were charged by Jesus in Mark 16 with these words. He told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. 
These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. God challenges us. If you're following him, do the same today. That's your charge. You can be used by God because we are now filled with the Spirit. Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house while they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and set on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Spirit. It's not us. For those of you who say, God, I, I, I can't do this. Chris, I can't go out and do these things. Good. Keep saying that because it's God in you. You get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit use you, which leads us to our next step. We first have to believe in the miraculous. Number two, we need to pay attention. As he approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in each day. He was put beside the temple gate so he could beg from the people going in. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked. They were paying attention. The Holy Spirit highlighted for both of them that this is your guy. And I want to ask you a simply, simple question. Do you daily pay attention to the Holy Spirit speaking? Do you give him room to speak? Do you wake up and say, Holy Spirit, guide my day. Lead me today. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you're running errands. We cannot limit God to Sunday morning gatherings. I believe that God wants to use his church more on Monday through Saturday than he does on Sunday. Why? Because out there is where the meat is. The meat is on the streets, right? It's out there where the people have needs. We can't allow our schedules and our busyness to slow us down. And I wanna challenge you to pay attention with leads us to our next step. So we got believe, pay attention, release life. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The man looked at him eagerly expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And, and do, it, do we simply make eye contact with others? Do you realize the first miracle in this encounter was, was Peter and John making eye contact with this beggar to acknowledge that he was a person? It's just simply acknowledging that people are real. Do we make people feel appreciated and loved with our words of life? Do we point others to Jesus with our actions, words, and our prayers? And my question to you, all of you is, what would your family say about you? Do they see you doing that? Or is it just something you hear and then forget? Which leads us to our next step. You got to serve. Notice Peter took the lame man by the right hand, helped him up. I love this. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. So he released his life with his words, right? Made eye contact, released his life with his words. And then he took the time to reach down and help him up. I believe this was another step of faith that Peter took so the miraculous can happen, right? And, and I believe, unfortunately, within the church, and I've done this before, just being honest, there are times when we get asked to pray for others and we pray for them so that they feel loved and, 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 and loved on and, and received. Like if, they, if someone looks at you and says, hey, will you pray for me? Of course we'll pray for them. We're in church, we're supposed to but we don't pray like God can move mountains. We just kind of pray. And God wants to raise our expectancy so that we believe the mountains will actually happen. 
that God would release healing and restoration and forgiveness and the miraculous through you and me. Which leads us to our final step we need to celebrate. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had been at the gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in the amazement of Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. The people recognized the beggar. The man used to sit at the entrance and what? Beg. And this is proof that God doesn't waste your pain. Every one of those 40 years of that man sitting by the temple gate, right, was just a part of him expressing his love for God so that others would be drawn into a relationship with God. Because see, I believe your greatest shame can become your greatest platform to declare the goodness of God in your life. It's all about our what? Our outlook. How are you looking today? What do you believe God wants to do in your life? Will you stand with me? Okay, remember a few statements ago, I said, oh, some of you are gonna be upset with me. Well, now's your time, okay? Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. I was working out Thursday morning, listening to worship music, and God spoke to me about how I'm supposed to close this gathering, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. You're in a row, right? So my front row, turn around and face the next row. There you go, right? Third row, turn around. You see what we're doing? Find people, turn around, turn around, turn around. I want everyone paired up, everyone praying for somebody. Ask, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Chris. How can I pray for you? Everyone is praying. You can do it. Step out. Prayer is talking to God. That's all. Come Holy Spirit. Move in this place, God. Change lives. Allow your boldness, your hope, your meaning, your love to come forth, God. Give people the ability to connect with you, to experience you. May they step out in faith, God. May the words that they speak be your words. May healing come. May your will be done. May be lives be transformed. May the miraculous come forth. I speak to broken bodies. I speak to images and outlooks on life. That God, you would transform people and you would allow your love to come. That your will would be done, God. Your will come, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May you hear our prayers, God. May you move in this place. May people be challenged and changed. May relationships with you grow and be astonished and fortified. I'm thankful, God, for moving in this place, for changing lives, for setting people free. Come, Holy Spirit. 
change us now, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, finish up. Finish up. Finish up and come back to me. Finish up. Give me an amen. There we go. All right, now. I didn't release anyone. Don't be leaving. Bring it back. Bring it back. All right. Okay. Hear me out. Listen. Thank you. Now, I said this during our first gathering. Some of you, when I asked you to do this, you looked at me like a ravaging dog ready to take me down. Okay? I saw your faces. I don't care. Because if you can't pray here, you're never going to pray out there. True or false? We've got to come to a place of being comfortable enough to pray for one another. Chances are you met someone new. Good. Now you can pray for them the rest of the week, whatever it is that you are praying for. My point is, get outside of your comfort zone. That's what God's calling us to do this year. To be bold followers that's willing to proclaim the kingdom of God, not just on Sunday mornings at HCV, but everywhere we go, praying for the sick, believing for the miraculous, because I believe when we do that, the kingdom of God comes. What did Jesus teach us to pray? May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? All right, now listen, we're almost done. We're almost done. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus, okay, and you haven't made that choice yet, my prayer team, our prayer team will be right up front here. Let everyone leave. Then you quietly come up and pray that simple prayer. Step out in faith and allow God to change your life because he wants to. And then give me a hug on your way out, okay? Thank you for joining us online. God bless you. The King of Glory is here. Come and be.